we're standing in a prophetic window because as the people of God, that all of us are standing between uh, where we have been and where we are going. We are standing between what we have done and what we are about to do. Some of us are standing between pain and the promise. But you are standing in a prophetic window. And, and, and we serve a speaking God. We serve a God that not only have spoken, but we serve a God that is continually speaking. Therefore, because we serve a God that is continually speaking, we are a people that are continually listening. And so we are in a prophetic window. And I believe that you are about to come in one of the most significant breakthroughs in your life. Glory to God. I believe it. I believe it. And so uh, uh, something powerful happens when you are standing in a prophetic window. And, 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 and we know that uh, God spoke to them on the road to Emmaus. And they didn't know that they were in a prophetic window. But uh, Jesus came to them and they had lost hope and they were walking and Jesus came alongside of them and uh, he began to, the Bible says, open the scriptures and began to explain to them what he had taught them. Then the Bible says he went and showed himself to his disciples. And look at Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 45. Notice what it says then. The Bible says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the what? He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. You know, some of you like putting puzzle pieces together. Now, do you, do, if, if you have put pieces, piece, puzzle pieces together, would you just lift your hands before? If you really like doing it, lift your hands. Oh, my God. Now, now, notice this. What's interesting, though, is that uh, the Bible seems like a bunch of pieces. And uh, people who put puzzles together well, that the key to that is to have the picture on the box. And if you do not have the picture on the box, then you don't really know what it looks like that you're putting together. And although you don't know what it looks like, you can make some progress by following a pattern or following a method, but you never know where you're going until you've completed it. But it can be a long, frustrating, anxiety-driven process if you do not have the picture that's on the box. Okay? So, so what we recognize then is that God is a holistic God. God is one. And so what we recognize here is that God is one. God is one. And, 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 and we find that he may be different parts, but he is one. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Bible calls him what? One. So God is into wholeness. God is into 
unity. God is into oneness. And so everything that God does, he does it for the purpose of becoming whole. So just as God is one, he has placed us into the earth. And as he's placed us into the earth, that he expects everything that is within the earth to work together to produce wholeness or one. And what you would find is that things that he has created in the earth are related to other things. You know what? You breathe, when you breathe in, you need what? Oxygen. When you breathe out, you breathe out what? Carbon dioxide. Plants need what? When you recognize that the sunlight mm, creates a dynamic focus, a process called photosynthesis in a plant, those plants give off oxygen. We breathe in that oxygen. We live. What we breathe out now is used by something else in God's earth and his creation. So therefore, everything, when you look at it, that God has put together, he put together to ultimately accomplish wholeness or accomplish a oneness. Now, when God created man, he created us. He wants there to be a oneness or wholeness. In, it's wholeness in God, but he also wants man to be whole. He wants man to be one. But when he created man, he created man with two parts. And he created man with ish and isha. Ish is man. Ish is, 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 is man. Isha is woman. So he created man out of man, two parts, but he wanted man to see and experience who he is. And because he is one, then he wanted man to understand what's required to become one. Therefore, God who is one and who is into wholeness, that he created everything in the earth to relate to one another so that it could become whole. And when he created man, he created man whole, but yet he separated man so that man could understand what was required to ultimately fulfill who God is, and that is to become one and to become whole. So there is something powerful about a oneness. And so uh, notice this, that after that, that God wants us not to recognize that he's one and he's whole, but he wants us to be whole, and he also wants to reconcile us to others so that the relationships that we have in life are whole and oneness and unified. And God has done it to a point where he says that, look, I just want you to be in agreement and in alignment. Because when you're in agreement, that something powerful happens. What do you know? He says it like this. He says that where two agree that it is the power that I will release and I'll move everything that is in heaven to get to earth because I see that there is a people that are just like me. So 
we recognize then that God is whole, he desires us to be whole, and he desires our relationships with one another to be reconciled and to be in unity and to be whole. And then notice this last one, that God desires us also to be reconciled to creation. So what he has, been, what he has created, because everything flows and works together. If we know the picture, then now we should be able to be putting things together so that we can get the picture that God has placed on the box. And the Bible says that the men on the road to Emmaus, when they recognized it and their minds were open, they said, didn't our hearts burn within? Now, look at this. The reason God has given us the Old Testament is so that we could see that we cannot do or be what God desires without him. We cannot do, we cannot be what God desires without him. And, 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 and we can look in the Old Testament and see that God gave them ten commandments. And they could not keep one of them. But then if we trace it all the way back, God only gave them one commandment, do not eat of the tree. And they couldn't keep that one. So what we see then is that we see that God uh, has given us an example to show us that what he desires for us to do, we cannot do it without him. And so he opened the scriptures all the way from the old to the new, and he taught them and their minds were open. And so what Jesus has come to do, Jesus has come to teach us. He has come to teach us who we are, who he is, how we can relate to one another, and then how can we honor and uh, value um, what he has created here in the earth? Now, there is a, there is a passage, and we're going to see how this connects to the, uh, to the church and, and while the church was in that waiting uh, area. Um, go to Acts chapter 2, and I, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I want you to go there in your Bibles. How many of you have your Bibles? Acts chapter 2. And um, the Bible tells us in the book of Joel, it says that God said that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and, my son, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. And he talks about how they are dream dreams and they are, uh, have visions alike. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, I want to show you something here. And this is why this oneness is so important. This unity is so important here is that in the book of Acts chapter 2, that we recognize here that in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, now all who believed were together and had, what? All things in common. They were together and they had all things in common. The Bible tells us also that uh, as it goes on, that they were with one heart and they had one mind. And so you, you see what happens then is that they were all together. They were, and so that's when God released the power. When they had one, one heart, they had one mind, they were all together and they had everything in common. Then he released the power. Okay? So 
Um, the Bible says that it, one of the most repeated passages in the Bible is it came to pass. <laughs> Would you say that with me? It came to pass. Come on, say it one more time. It came to pass. Because it came to pass, it is a transitional statement, and this statement means that something occurred at a particular time, but, it, but, but, but what occurred is, is being transitioned, or there is a transition from what has occurred to what is or will be occurring. And so it came to pass, and, and, and I believe it's in Genesis chapter 40 where you see Joseph, and the Bible says that Joseph was in prison. And he had been in prison, and it looked like that he had been forgotten. But in Genesis chapter 41, verse 1, the Bible says it like this. Then it what? Came to pass. At the end of two full, he had been in a waiting room. And how long he had been in the waiting room? For two full years. He had been in the waiting room for two full years. Let's begin at the top, and let's read it together now. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. It came to pass. Joseph is in prison, but prison wasn't his permanent residence. And so prison had to come to pass because the promise had to come to pass. And so it is a transitional statement where God was telling Joseph that he was in a prophetic window, that what he was was coming to pass to what God desired him to become. And I want you to, this is really important because the Bible tells us that the same gift that got him in trouble as a boy is the same gift that got him promoted when it came to pass. So, 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 so would you notice that? The same gift. Now, you got to keep that in mind. So just as, just though you were flowing in what God had gifted you, see, the gift was according to his promise. But he just didn't have the wisdom to know how to handle it. But, but, but when God, see, see, there is a waiting room that, that, that you might be waiting and you may be standing between where you have been and where you are going. What's important is that you got to stay there until you, know, until you get the desired results. Oh, my God. And so, and so Joseph, same gift that got him in trouble, was the gift that got him promoted. My God. Isn't that good? So what we've we got to do then is I want you to see this because I want everybody to come along together. We're going to have to stretch. You've got one life, you need to maximize it. Amen? So, so would you say stretch? So, so, so we're going to have to stretch. We're going to stretch. We're going to stretch. We're going to stretch. And the reason it's important that we stretch is that if you ever look back over your life and see the great things that, was, that God was going to do for you, before that happened, you had an expectation. That you look back and you recognize that I had an expectation before God did it. And then when I recognized that God had done it, that before he did it, I had an expectation. And so if God's getting ready to give you an opportunity, you have to get ready for the opportunity. And so, uh, it, it, so, so we recognize then that uh, we have to stretch ourselves. We have to stretch ourselves. We have to go beyond where we have gone previously. 
Would you say stretch? It's important that we stretch ourselves. We stretch ourselves. And so um, in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us, uh, I want you to stay there in Acts 2 because I told you look at verse 44, but I want you to stay there because the Bible tells us that Jesus told his disciples, 500 of them, to go into Jerusalem. He says, I want you to wait. Well, we know that uh, we don't know what happened to the 380 of them because only 120 showed up in the room or showed up in the house. And so um, the Bible tells us that uh, when they uh, showed up in the house, uh, that there was a great spirit of agreement. And um, when this 120, they were in such unity. And the Bible says they had one heart. They had one mind. They had uh, everything in common. That, 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 that unity that was there that that's when the Holy Spirit came and it began to empower them. Notice this, that the Holy Spirit did not give them that power until they came in unity with one another. My God, until they had the picture that was on the box. And when they got the picture that's on, see, that's why, my God, my God, isn't it interesting that the very thing that you despise, uh, the, when the devil is trying to uh, do something in your life, you actually go back to the thing you despise. And that's how you know. Uh, uh, okay, let me, let me give you an example of that. Remember the boy uh, who was with his, uh, the prodigal son. He was a Jew. The prodigal son was a Jew, and, and uh, Jews despised hogs. But this prodigal son came to his dad, and he said, Daddy... I want my inheritance. And in all purpose, Daddy, you're really dead to me, uh, so I want what belongs to me as if you're already dead. I can't wait. I want it now. And his father gives him what he asked for. And when he gets it, he goes and he has a, a, a party after party. He began to live a life. And this life that he lived, the Bible says that after he experienced everything and he ran out of his money, that he found himself eating slop, hanging out with the hogs, sleeping where the hogs were sleeping. Now, now I don't know about you, but have you, have you, you, you guys are city folk, but I'm from, I, I've been to Elm Grove, Louisiana. And in Elm Grove, I saw what a, ho what a, what a hog eats. I've smelled what a hog has eaten. And you know what hogs eat? They eat slop. You know what slop is? Anything that you don't want, like you've been, it's been there for seven days. I'm telling you that my grandmother used to have milk that was spoiled for seven days. Bread, anything you didn't eat, you just put it in there and you gave it to the pig. And the pig ate it. And you look at that and that gross you out, doesn't it? But man, I love ribs. I got to tell you, after, we, after I said that something like that on Wednesday night, I left straight from where we are and tried to get to Rudy's before we closed. And Gwen had me make a stop right before Rudy's. And, 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 and she, she wanted like, like an ice cream Sunday. Can I just tell y'all this? Here? She wanted an ice cream Sunday, 
because she was so hot from the anointing at church, she needed to cool off. So she stopped, and she had me go to, like, Freddy's. So Freddy's is here, and Rudy's is here. And she said, well, go here first. And right when we got through the line of Rudy's, that I turned to go uh, through the line of Freddy's, I turned to go to Rudy's, and they had closed up. And I could not get any ribs. I started driving around and driving around trying to find some ribs. And you know where I ended up? The very place that I despised, I ended back up at Freddy's and got me some ice cream too. <laughs> Lord, help. So, so what you recognize then is that you recognize that um, the very thing you despise, you find yourself going back to it. And so this boy, he's like, he's like saying, you know what? Um, my father's servants live better than I live. My father's servants eat better than I eat. And the Bible says he got beyond his pride. He got beyond his arrogance. He got beyond what he wanted to do. And the Bible says that he was walking home, and as he came home, the father saw him afar off. This is the only place in the Bible where it says God ran. The father saw him far off, and he began to run to him. And this son says that, Father, I don't deserve to be considered your son. And, and, and the father almost stopped him in the middle of his apology and, and said to him that, my son, he's returned home back to me. Isn't it awesome when we walk and move and stretch and go beyond so we can become back united with God? That we don't have to go through all of this sorrow that God can say, I'm, you, you, you think you're running to God, but you, you, you recognize that God is already running to you. And then he comes to a place where he says, oh, my God. You say, oh, God, I'm sorry. He says, oh, you're my son. So let's, let's, let's move on to this. So, so the Bible tells us why it's so important that we uh, recognize that there's a spirit of agreement that must be uh, there because when the spirit of agreement and unity comes, then that's when the power is released. That's when the power is released. Now, let's begin to uh, kind of wrap this up, and I, I want to share just a couple of things with you. Uh, Peter, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, what we recognize is that he denied Jesus and the rooster crowed. And when the rooster crowed, uh, Peter recognized that what Jesus had said, that's what he had done. He didn't want to do it, but it was something that was the... <laughs> the influence that the enemy had over him, that he did what Jesus did not want it, said that he would do, but he didn't recognize that he would do it. And so he's standing between what he had done and what he will do. He's in this waiting room. He's in this place. And, and as he's there, 50 days or for that period of time, what happens is that um, the Bible tells us that uh, the, 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 the Spirit of God began to flow in that place. And the Bible says everybody that was in the house, everybody that was in the house began to receive that power, began to receive that power. And, um, and, and, and as they received that power, Peter comes out, who was timid, who would not even recognize that and, and acknowledge that he knew Jesus. When they were crucifying him, he turned his back on Jesus. Even a little slave girl or even a little servant girl said, you know, he's one of those that were his followers. And Peter said, no, I'm not. 
So he would not even acknowledge Jesus. But yet, when the Spirit came and he got the power, notice what the Bible says. He went out and he began to talk with such boldness. A man that was hiding from, from, from the Jews and, and everyone that, that, that was there that were not consistently a believer, a follower, or someone that was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, he was hiding. But after he got the power, Peter came out and he was like, let me just tell you something. That this one that you crucified, it is the one that they spoke of. And he began to open up the scriptures. And the Bible says that he says these words, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this what? Perverse generation. Now, I want to show you something because you got to get this. It's necessary for us to come to a place of oneness, unity, and wholeness with God, with ourselves, with what God has created, uh, and with our relationship with one another. Now, the word uh, perverse, it's an interesting word because it means to plant. One, one, one translation says, be saved from, uh, from this crooked generation. Now, it's the word plant. It's the word to be knotted up. It's the word bind. So, so notice this. Peter says to them, he says, and with many other words he testified, and he says, be saved from this knotted up, braided, planted generation. And so he's saying that this generation is really all tied up, is knotted up, is braided up with ideologies, with ambitions, Things that are not consistent with what God thoughts. He says that there's a generation that is all knotted up and tied up. But he says that God has a plan for your life. And, 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 and the Bible says that he began to add to the church as many as those that were to be what? Saved. And so what happened is that the Spirit of God came. And when the Spirit of God came, what it did it is it untied, it unknotted, it unbraided what the generation in society had done. And that's why that there are voices that, we, that, that, that are always speaking, and we've got to recognize the voice that we want to follow. And so what God began to do, he began to untie. Let me show you this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might what? That he might destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy is a beautiful word. And what it means is that the word destroy means, it's, it's the, uh, 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 the Greek word of leo. And it means to untie a knot and to undo a braid. Notice this, Jesus came so that he could untie, unbraid what the devil had tied and what he had braided. And so what the scriptures do is that they minister to us when we read the Word of God, when we begin to allow God's Spirit to take us, we stretch ourselves beyond what we want, our own ambition, our own thoughts, and we want, want uh, to begin to put our lives together according to the picture that's on the box. And, and you've got to stretch yourself because this wholeness, this oneness, this unity that I've talked about is that uh, Isaiah says it in a, in a very powerful way. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18, he says it like this. He says, here, I, here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders. 
Isaiah says that our children are for signs and wonders, and we are. I am a sign and a wonder. The word sign is, is an amazing word, and, and, and I'm not going to give you all the, the studies, of, but the word sign, it means a, it means a person of excellence. The word uh, of signs, it means to have a distinguished mark. And so when he says that we are for signs, we are a distinguishing mark. We are a prodigy. We are evidence. And this word wonders, it is the word displaying the power of God. And so what we recognize then here is that Isaiah is saying, not I will be, not I'm going to be, not one day that's going to happen, but he says right now, I am, my children are, my family uh, is, we are, we are a, a, a evidence that we are a predestined mark that display the power of God. We are that. We are. Your family is, a, is, a, is evidence of the power of God. You are the evidence of the power of God. The church is the evidence of the power of God. Not will be, not someday will, but you are right now. Would you say this with me? I am right now. I am the evidence. I am right now a distinguished mark. I am a display of the power of God. My family is a display. My children are a display of the, fa- of the power of God. So you are that. That's who you are. And when we come together, that we, we, when we come together, the devil gets a migraine headache. What we recognize then is that um, the, God released the power, but he did not release the power until they came into unity. They had one heart. They had one mind. And they were flowing together. You look in the book of Mark 5. Don't go there, but just... Mark chapter 5, what happened is that the Bible says that they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, uh, this woman, this Jairus' daughter, sick, sick near death. Jesus says that I will go and heal her. When Jesus starts moving to go and heal her, the Bible says that there was a woman who was in a waiting room for 12 years. And she decided that she was going to stretch herself. And it wasn't going to be based on the opinion of other people. She knew and she said that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. And she pushed herself through the crowd. She stretched herself. And she touched his the the hem of his garment. And the Bible says when she did that, that virtue went out of him and into her. Now, notice this, that Jesus did not do the miracle. The miracle and the power came when she was willing to go beyond herself, go beyond the limitation, go beyond her circumstances, go beyond her prison, because it had to come to pass in her own life. And so Jesus turns around and he recognized that I did not do this 
but someone accessed the power that was on the inside of me. And what did he say? He said that your faith has made you what? Oh, my God. It was her faith that she said that I don't care the limitations that they put on me where I had to stay in a certain place. But I recognized Jesus was walking away from her and she came behind him and she touched him. Him of his garment and boom, power came. Miracle came. And she became whole. Now why is this story, what's the significance of this story and the picture that's on the box? It is. This girl that Jesus was going to heal was 12 years old. The woman who was dealing with this blood issue, she had been dealing with it for 12 years. And God was, notice this, at 12 years old, a girl is about to move into another season. Season of maturity. Here's a woman that's been in that season for 12 years. But God is saying that the season is about to change. But something has to happen. Before the 12-year-old gets healed, she needs somebody as a testimony that's going to be a mentor to her. So God is changing one cycle to, to another. He's changing one season that could be a benefit to the next season. And so what Titus says is that let the older women mentor the younger women. See, there is a generation that God is saying that you are the distinguished mark, you are the prodigy, you are the evidence that display the power of God. And God is looking for some people that will stretch themselves beyond their circumstances and say, if I can just get that anointing, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be whole. She became whole. The girl became whole. And they both began to reflect the picture that was on the box. Hallelujah. Oh, God, God, we're coming out. Families are coming out. People that have been sitting on the sideline for months and years. Hallelujah. Glory, it's time <laughs> that we are in a prophetic window where there is a shifting moment. It came to pass. It came to pass. Hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When they came together in unity and alignment, that's when God released the power. Get this. It was power when no one had need of anything. No one was sick in their body. No one had any unpaid bills. 
No relationships with fractions. That's what the power does. So what we have to do is stretch ourselves beyond circumstances and the situations that would divide, that would separate, to bring us into an agreement so that the power can be released. That's what God wants for your family. That's what God wants for your children. Got a child that have not been serving God? You keep praying for them. Don't give up on them. Why? It's because... The Bible says that that prodigal came to himself. One day, the seed that you've been sowing, that you've been praying over them, one day they're going to come to themselves. Because they are a distinguished mark. They are evidence of the power of God. Receive that word today. Would you put your hands together? Give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, would you stand to your feet?